going on everybody welcome back to another episode of gms for hire you know what's going on you see the faces you hear the voices it's myself jamil with me as rj and as always when it's just us two you know we're talking college football and with today being tuesday night the new college football playoff rankings have dropped and we're going to dive right into them we have a little bit of change at the top this time around because uh the gators lost the top four remains the same of alabama notre dame clemson ohio state Texas A&M stays in the five spot, but now Iowa State climbed to the number six spot with the Gators losing. And even though they lost, the Gators only fall to number seven, followed by their fierce rival, the Georgia Bulldogs. The Cincinnati Bearcats are now at nine, and the Oklahoma Sooners round out the top ten. Um, RJ, I know it's something we wanted to get into early off the top. The Gators, they only fall one spot, and I know you're not very happy about that. Tell, talk to us. Listen, I like the Gators. I like this Florida team, and I think – that their offense is one of the only offenses in the country that could actually keep up with Alabama. So I do think that this weekend should still be a good SEC championship. That being said, you still have to show up every week. Just because you're locked into the SEC championship doesn't really mean anything. Like you have to show up each and every week in college football because you can lose to anybody at any time. And in comes LSU with players threatening to leave the school and players opting out and critics wanting to say that Ed Orgeron should be on the hot seat. They just took themselves out of consideration to go to a bowl this year. Like, oh, we're going to blow the doors off LSU. Don't worry about them. Let's focus on Bama next week. And what happens? LSU comes into your building, your building, and embarrasses you on national television in front of everybody. We can sit here and point the finger and put all the blame on Marco Wilson for throwing a shoe, which is absolutely the dumbest thing that I think I've ever seen. Not only did he throw a shoe, he threw away Florida's uh, chances to make the college football playoff. And although it's not right and I don't agree with it, he threw away Kyle Trask's Heisman. Because even though Kyle Trask has the best numbers in the country, They always look at team success when voting on the Heisman. I don't think it's right. I think it's an individual award. It should go to the best individual player. Team success really shouldn't matter, but it does. And he threw his teammates chance at winning a Heisman trophy when he threw that shoe. I think it's a joke. They should not have lost that game. Uh, You just, you cannot do that. I don't understand. This is a rivalry game. They play LSU every year. Like, that's your that's your SEC West rival. That's your cross-division opponent. You see them every year. These games are always tight. They're always close. And they're always crazy, too. Like, even if LSU is having a really bad year like they are this year, you got to show up for that game. You just absolutely have to because you can get upset at any time. That being said, LSU is having a terrible year and Florida lost to them. How is Florida only falling one spot? Now, if you want to keep them ahead of Georgia because they beat Georgia head to head, I kind of, I understand that. That's why Notre Dame's above Clemson. That's why Texas A&M's above Florida. I get it. If you want to keep them ahead of Georgia, but the way Georgia has played with JT Daniels, like they have looked very good. They're completely good. different offense. 
they are an absolutely different team than the team that got blown out by Florida. So you could still drop Florida lower and drop them behind Georgia. Uh, them getting off so easy and only dropping one spot is really a joke. Yeah, them only dropping one spot is definitely going to keep them involved in uh, the final rankings if they are to be Alabama. But, yeah, I definitely agree with you on a lot of your points. Uh, the Gators probably should have blown out Florida, or they should have blown out LSU. Uh, not having Kyle Pitts really showed up in that game, if you ask me. I don't know why Kyle Pitts didn't play. I hope it wasn't for rest for the SEC championship game because uh, they definitely needed him out there. Um, you could just tell he's a game changer when he's not out there. The offense is a little bit different, a little bit slower. They don't run the balls as good as they did in years prior. They've been relying on the pass game. And um, towards the end of the game, when uh, they needed the score, I was telling my friend, I was watching a game from Big Gators fan, I said, dude, they just put Tony in the backfield and just let him make the plays. And on their last drive, they, they did. They just put the ball in his hands and they got downfield. And I thought they were going to make the kick to go to overtime, but they they didn't. They lost the game. They only moved one spot, which is definitely something we're going to come back to later. Uh, something else I wanted to hit on in this top ten, uh, Cincinnati, they're sitting at nine. They're sitting at eight and no. We know if they win the game, they'll be representing the New Year six. Um, if there is some wacky stuff to happen, it looks like they probably, again, won't get put into the playoff, though, which is like we've been saying, the group of five, it's just not meant for them to make the playoffs no matter what happens. And this is kind of evident, you know, the Cincinnati in a weird year, they haven't been playing the past few weeks, but uh, they keep sliding down. Yeah, no, I, I want to know, how does Cincinnati keep falling? Um, we have not seen them on the field in like almost a month, I think. So I understand that they haven't been putting more data points out there to critique and to judge. But at the same time, Ohio State has missed some games. Everybody's missed some games. And we haven't knocked them. We haven't punished them for it. Why are we punishing Cincinnati? How is an undefeated Cincinnati team behind Florida and Georgia? And how are they behind an Iowa State team that got blown out by Louisiana? Like, are we just forgetting that Iowa State lost by 17 points to a Sunbelt team named Louisiana Raging Cajuns? Like, they got shelled in that game. Why is Cincinnati behind them? Why are we forgetting what Cincinnati looks like on the field? If the committee needs to go back and watch tape of games that happened, you know, four or five weeks ago, go ahead. I'm sure you can find the games on YouTube. Like, how are we forgetting what Cincinnati looks like? Like, I, I just don't understand how you can keep falling and keep falling and you haven't played. You literally have not lost a game and you're sitting behind three teams that each have two losses. That's disrespectful. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how they're falling. You know, you mentioned Iowa State. You mentioned that um, they lost to Louisiana and they keep rising. Um, they've easily been the committee's biggest rise over the past few weeks. They were sitting in the double digits three weeks ago and they've risen all the way to the number six spot. And they have potentially created a path for them to make the playoffs. Um, I don't think it's very logical. In fact, I don't even think they're going to beat Oklahoma in the, in the championship game because this is a completely different team than what they played in the beginning of the season. But if Iowa State is able to win that football game, and you see Clemson losing Notre Dame, and that four spot gets open. Now you have a Texas A&M one loss to Alabama versus a two loss Iowa State team, and Iowa State has created a scenario where they have a potential chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, how crazy would that be? The Big Twelve doesn't get left out, and it's not Oklahoma, it's not Texas, it's not Oklahoma State, it's Iowa State that represents the Big Twelve in the playoff. Here's something that I think will come into 
discussion in that boardroom. If Clemson loses to Notre Dame, Clemson would have two losses. Iowa State also has two losses. Clemson's two losses are head and shoulders better than Iowa State's two losses. So even if Clemson loses to Notre Dame, are we 100% sure that they're going to fall behind Iowa State? Really, Clemson losing only helps Texas A&M. And even then, if Florida can go lose at home to an unranked LSU team and only drop one spot, why can't Clemson on a neutral field lose to the number two team in the country and they only fall one spot and still stay in the top four? I think with moving Florida down one spot, you you have you have created something that could happen. It might not. Clemson could just take care of business. But hypothetically, say Clemson does win, and now you drop Cle- or Clemson does lose, and you drop Clemson outside of that top four. You started this when you only dropped Florida one spot after losing to a bad LSU team. You cannot let Clemson fall more than one spot after losing to one of the best teams in the country in Notre Dame. Yeah, um, what you just said there isn't something we hear too much of, but um, that's a very good observation by you, RJ. I, I kind of agree with you, you know, if Clemson only loses that game and if it's another close one, let's say they go to overtime and then they lose, um, the committee has a has a pickle on their hands, you know. Do you – now Now it's do you – what, what, what do you value more? There are two losses to Notre Dame and then – and that, now that we're talking about it, I could totally see the committee saying, ah, well, Trevor Lawrence didn't play the first game. So, like, we're just going to put an asterisk on that. They really only lost one game. Um, that's totally something I could see the committee doing. You know, they want to have their best players in the game. At the end of the day, it's all about money. And um, Clemson's the bring is going to bring in the money. Clemson versus Alabama, potentially, versus out no one, versus them playing A&M again. Um, you know, everybody exactly. thinks that a and is going to get in. But at the end of the day, it's all about money with the NCAA and – the biggest money getter is definitely going to be another Alabama Clemson game. Exactly. And you mentioned AM being right there at five. If Clemson loses to Notre Dame, okay, and let's say Iowa State loses to Oklahoma, and the discussion for the four spot is Clemson or Texas AM, do we really need to see Texas AM play Alabama again? Because we saw that and it was disgusting and we don't need to see it again. But if we get if Clemson only loses by one or two to Notre Dame, I would much rather see Clemson play Alabama than Alabama get a free pass and knock Texas A and M out again. Like I don't need to see that rematch. That that well, that decision is definitely going to go down to the verbiage that the committee likes to use, where they say it's not about who should go in; it's about the like the most deserving or the team we the think the best for. Who, who should go in in that scenario would be Texas A and M because they have one less loss, but. Well, who should go in in that scenario would be the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Well, yeah, in a perfect <laughs> Coastal or Cincinnati would get put in, but we all know the five <laughs> is like, no, they're shunned. They're the they're the scarlet A. That's they're, right. They're forbidden against the playoffs. But, yeah, either of those teams should get in ahead of Clemson. But at the end of the day, you know, I want to put it past the committee to go out and throw Clemson in there. But um, I'm glad you definitely brought Coastal Carolina because we can just segue right into them. Um. The chance they keep on finding ways to win. They got another big game coming up this weekend, looking to finish off the Sun Belt against the 19th ranked Raging Cajuns. Um, if they can win another game there, they should uh, move up a little bit more, potentially getting into the top 10. And then we get into this discussion of can they crash the party? Can we have two group of fives get into a New Year's Six game? 
we haven't seen a game like this. The last time I recall two teams that, you know, well, there wasn't a group of five back then, but the last time I've seen it was uh, Boise TCU in the Fiesta Bowl in like yep. 08, something like that. Yep, it was uh, it was a while back. Yeah, that was the last time I recall two of the, you know, group of fives or non-power teams playing each other in a bowl game. And something that, that you talked about before we went on here, something I talked about was some other people – could potentially be a Cincinnati versus Coastal game. Um, one of my friends, he's he's a big time AAC guy. He's a big UCF guy. You know, he definitely wants to see these teams knock off the big dogs. And when I said they should play each other, he was he didn't like that. And I think part of the reason why he and some other people think that is that these teams need their shot at the top dogs at the teams in the Power Five. But to me, um, just getting to the the New Year Six game is big. And it really doesn't matter who you play. The fact that you got there is a big deal. And I think it would be pretty cool to see Coastal and Cincinnati play because you could, then you get to see, like, who was the best of, of the G5 teams. You know, even though you're not getting your shot at the Power Five, you're still playing a good football team. They've been disrespected just like you. And now you're on the national stage where everybody has to watch you. And they could say, like, yo, these two teams play each other, but they're playing a great football game. So, all right, let's, let's do this. So, a lot to do with Coastal here. Coastal Carolina should be ranked above Cincinnati right now. Uh, they have a better resume. They have better wins. Cincinnati's best win is an unranked UCF team uh, because SMU completely fell off. Memphis isn't what we thought they would be. Coastal has beaten BYU. They have beaten Louisiana, who blew out the number six team in the country, by the way. Uh, and they've beaten Appalachian State, who they're a good team. State could, yeah, that's a good they're team. A good I don't team. care. I don't care that they don't have a little number next to their name. Yeah, if you watch watch some of these teams, you know App State's a pretty good team. They're a good team. So Coastal has got three really good wins, while Cincinnati really only has one. And this weekend, Coastal is going to play the number 19 team in the Sun Belt Championship in Louisiana, and Cincinnati's going to play the number 24 team this week uh, in the AAC Championship in Tulsa. Wouldn't that be another win for Coastal that's better than Cincy's win? So now Coastal would have four really good wins, and Cincinnati really only has one really good one, and then UCF if they can, you know, beat. So this Saturday, you're going to have Coastal Carolina playing the number 19 team in the country, Louisiana, while Cincinnati plays the number 24 team in the country in Tulsa. That would be a better win. Let's say Coastal and Cincy both win. Coastal has another advantage over Cincinnati with another great win. We have talked about how the group of five gets shunned and disrespected against the power five. We need to start talking about how the other group of four gets disrespected when put in comparison with the American Athletic Conference. I get it. The AAC is really good. They're the sixth best conference. These power five schools continuously come and grab coaches out of the AAC. But, like, let's give some credit to the Sun Belt this year. Like, Coastal was good. Louisiana was good. App State was good. Like, this Coastal team deserves more respect. As far as what you're saying about the Bulls and, uh, you know, who's going to be that highest-ranked group of five champion, that was a very significant thing that happened tonight that no one talked about. And that is the fact that Coastal Carolina moved into the number 12 spot. And the number 12 is the cutoff because you have to be ranked in the top 12 to be considered for an at-large bowl bid for the New Year's Six. So we could 
potentially see Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina both get into New Year's Six Bowls. Now, I see both sides of that argument that you were talking about with your other friend. I personally want to see Cincinnati play Coastal Carolina. I want to see who is the best group of five team this year. We need to see. We're going to get our national championship down in Miami. Let's get another little national championship where we see who the best group of five team was. Was it Cincinnati or was it Coastal Carolina? I want to see that matchup. Now, what you said about them knocking off the big boys, if that happens, if Cincinnati goes to the Cotton Bowl and beats Iowa State, okay, and if Coastal Carolina goes to the Peach Bowl and beats Georgia, in a, in a crazy year where really there's no rules, how about we add another game? Let's add a championship game between Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina. If they both win their New Year's Six games, let's just add a bowl game and let's play it on the Sunday night right before the national championship on Monday. So it'd be January 10th, that Sunday night. Let's see Cincinnati and Coastal. You can, you can have these big cities bid on it, or you could play the game in Miami on the same field that the Natty's going to be on the next night. We need to see some sort of like conclusion here. <laughs> is it Cincy or is it Coastal? Uh, yeah. You know, while that probably will never, ever happen, that is a very interesting take. You know, that wouldn't be too bad to see. But um, I personally think they're going to give Coastal the short end of the stick and they're going to give that large to, you know, that that's you will probably get two. Then, you know, USC will get in there for one. Uh, they'll find a way to shaft them. What's going to really make me mad is if Oregon somehow beats USC and then a 4-1 Oregon team gets, gets a New Year's Six game because they won the Pac-12. Oh. That's going to make me so mad because not only should they not be in their – they got in their game because Washington got COVID. Not that somehow win and walk themselves to New Year's Six. I'm going to be very disappointed. If that happens, that is exactly why we don't need to expand the playoff and give automatic playoff spots to conference champions because you could see some fluky stuff like that happen, and now we get a bad team into the playoff. But, yeah, I, I don't want to see Oregon in a New Year's Six game. They don't deserve it. Um, it is possible that we could just run out of spots, but like at the same time, like there is such a buzz around this coastal Carolina team. Like it's the mullets, it's the cool uniforms. It's the fact they have a cool field. This team is fun to watch and they're really good too. I think if Florida loses to Bama and gets their third loss, they should drop out. If Oklahoma loses to Iowa State and gets their third loss, they should drop out. That's two spots in the New Year's Six that could potentially open up for Coastal Carolina to get in. I want to see it happen. I think you put them in the Peach Bowl uh, for, you know, geographic reasons it makes sense. I want to see it. Let, let's put Coastal in the New Year's Six. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I want to see that, too. I've been high on them the whole season. You know, I love my boy Grayson McCall. Um, I hope they get in. I feel like they won't. I very, very, very hope I'm wrong because I want to see those guys get some of the respect they deserve. But um, that's about it for us with the rankings. But uh, we got some other college football news to get into. Um, some players moving around, some coaches moving around. We'll start off with uh, Mackenzie Milton. Since we're talking about the group of five, Mackenzie Milton, the former uh, star UCF quarterback. We all know what happened to him. He uh, almost lost his leg in a terrible hit against the University of South Florida in Tampa. 
And um, now he's rehabbed his butt off. He's ready to play football again. It's not going to be at UCF, but he is staying in the state of Florida. He's going to try to win the job at Florida State next year. Um, RJ, what do you think about that move for McKenzie Milton? That's a shame. Uh, that, let's, let's just keep it real. That's a shame. I don't know why he chose Florida State. He literally could not have picked a program that is more in flux and has more problems and internal problems too, not just external, like go get a new coach. They have internal problems. Florida State is not a good program right now. Um, they are in bad shape. They cannot block, by the way, either. Like they have got to have one of the worst offensive lines. Did y'all see what they used to do to DeAndre Francois back in the day? Like it hasn't gotten better since then. Like Florida State, I, I don't know what all went into the decision that McKenzie Milton made by going to Florida State. This is just not a bad one. Like, this is not a good decision for McKenzie Milton. I don't know what it is. Maybe he wants to be on the big stage. Uh, Florida State will have some big games next year with Clemson, Florida, Miami, and North Carolina. And I think they play Notre Dame again. But, like, come on, bud. Like, the perfect, the perfect story was out there, and it was in Lincoln, Nebraska. You go to Nebraska, you get with Scott Frost, you we reconnect this dynamic duo in a conference that can't score points outside of Columbus, Ohio. Now you have a lethal duo in Lincoln. Nebraska could have instantly become the second best team in the Big Ten if they have a healthy McKenzie Milton running the offense with Scott Frost. Meanwhile, at Florida State, I mean, they're they're going like this while other schools are coming up. I I don't know. Maybe he wanted to stay in the state of Florida. I get it, but man, that's a tough one. Yeah, I definitely think he wanted to stay in the state of Florida. I saw something that said he wanted to go to Miami, but Miami didn't want him because they think Derek King is coming back next year. And then at, at that point, you just have to assume you wanted to stay in Florida. You wanted to play power five ball at that point. Florida State's your last option. Um, one thing about Florida State, though, he, he should start next year, if we're being honest. Uh, oh, absolutely. Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis is a great runner, but um, he's not the best thrower. So healthy McKenzie Millen, he should easily win the job there at Florida State and uh, could potentially lead that team back to relevance. Um, if you can get the McKenzie Millen you had at UCF, uh, oh. I think Florida State can win a couple games next year. That Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. If we get a healthy McKenzie Milton – and if you're right that De'Eric King comes back to Miami, you look at the ACC next year, it is stupid. You're going to have DJ Ukulele at Clemson. Stop Sam Howe, it's Ukulele. Sam Howe at UNC, De'Eric King at Miami, and Mackenzie Milton at Florida State. The ACC will be the most fun conference to watch next year if Mackenzie Milton, if Mackenzie Milton is healthy and De'Eric King comes back. Yeah, the ACC will definitely be fun to watch. Uh, if that can happen, I hope McKenzie comes back healthy and is ready to run that offense because uh, that might be what Mike Norvell needs to get Florida State back up and running. But um, we yeah. also have some coaching news. Uh, it finally happened in Auburn. You know, after speculation for the past few years whether Gus would leave on his own, you know, a lot of people thought he was going to go to Arkansas where his roots are. He didn't. He stayed at Auburn, and uh, now he's gone. It seems like he's been there forever between being the OC and the head coach. He's been there at least, like, 10, 12 years, I think. Um his time is up uh, over there in Auburn. What do you think about that move for uh, the Tigers? 
I am a Gus Malzahn fan. I like him. Uh, I think he got a lot of unfair criticism. I think it's a shame that the greatest head coach of all time is in the same state as him. I think that's the problem. Uh, let's be real. I think Will Muschamp got the exact same treatment. Uh, it just so happens that Dabo is in the same state as you. That's who you're going to be compared to. So unfairly, he lost his job. Gus Malzahn can coach. I don't, I, I don't think that should be in question. I think he's a great coach. There is – I don't know if I even mentioned it on here or not or if it was just with some friends. I can only think of three – coaches in the entire country that have multiple wins over Nick Saban. Dabo Sweeney, Hugh Freeze, and Gus Malzahn. I just said Nick Saban's the greatest head coach of all time, and you're going to fire one of the only guys that has multiple wins against them. The other two, however, Dabo's not going nowhere, but Hugh Freeze, this absolutely has to be the pick for Auburn. Auburn has to give Hugh Freeze a blank check because as long as I've been watching college football, there's really only two coaches that have annoyed Nick Saban and really gotten under his skin. And I think Dabo because of what he's built and Hugh Freeze, the guy, he couldn't beat Hugh Freeze. Like Hugh Freeze beat Nick Saban back to back years at Ole Miss. Like, Hugh Freeze absolutely has to be the hire at Auburn. It's going to help with recruiting in state. If he can go to a kid's house and be like, well, if you go to Alabama, I mean, I already beat them twice. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to beat you again. Like it's, it's got to help. And this absolutely has to be the hire for Auburn. Yeah, there was definitely, well, we'll start with Gus was on first. I think part of the problem is he just ran his course there. Um, You know, if you're going to be there, they expect you to win. Yeah, you're losing Alabama, but that, but not only are you losing Alabama, like you're also losing the LSU. You're also losing the old, you know, Ole Miss at when Ole Miss was kicking with Hugh Freeze. You know, you're finishing third and fourth sometimes in the SEC West, and that's just not going to cut it when you're at Auburn. You compare them to Will Muschamp. I think Will Muschamp was just underperforming at South Carolina in uh, the SEC East. You know, if you're going to lose, at least finish second or third. But South Carolina's finishing fourth and fifth sometimes in the conference. And but that that's point, not South Carolina. But that's see, but not South Steve Carolina. built them so high that that you're thinking you can do that. But keep in mind, that's not South Carolina. But you you should be able to compete with right behind Georgia. You should be right behind Georgia and Florida, in my opinion. There's so much talent that comes out of the South, I, and the way Tennessee has been so bad the past few years, I see there's no excuse for you to be down there with Vanderbilt. Steve Spurrier gave a sense of I don't know entitlement to South Carolina fans that they don't deserve. Go look at the history of South oh, Carolina football. They're pathetic. They have only won 11 games three times ever, and it was all with Steve Spurrier. This is this is an eight and four program, and Will Muschamp is an eight and four coach. I thought that was a perfect fit, but they want to move on. Good for them. And also, when you're pumping pumping all the money you are into the program, and then you're putting in, you're getting these good recruits, and the results aren't coming. That's what's going to happen. Um, you know, we're talking about Auburn. And their head coach, I think Hugh Free should definitely be the choice for them too. But I've seen they're talking about trying to get Mario Cristobal from Oregon. Uh, I've seen a couple other names floating around, maybe Sarkeesian. Um, I think Hugh Free should be the fit. But honestly, if you're Hugh Freeze, you probably have your choice of jobs between this year and next year at this point. Um, a place I want to see Hugh Freeze, I think the Longhorns should have fired Herman and went after Freeze whenever Myers' deal fell through. 
but they're going to stick with Herman, it seems like. And I, if I were them, I would have dumped him when got got Hugh Freeze. That's just me personally. You know, you're in the Big 12. It's an offensive uh, conference, and Hugh Freeze, we've seen he knows how to coach an offense. But I definitely think Hugh Freeze should be the call Auburn. We'll see if that's the call they decide to make. Um, they can go a few different ways. They just had to pay a lot of money to get out of that contract with Gus, first of all. So, um, but, you know, SEC, money speaks and matters more. So it really doesn't matter what amount of money it takes to get the job done down there. That's right. It just means more down there. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, that was the first big domino we've seen um, in this college football season. There should be plenty of more. Um, we talked about Herman. We think it looks like he's going to stay. He probably should go, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that. He, You want to talk about someone that's underperformed? Yeah, Tom Herman, it's probably time for him to go also. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's definitely time for him to go. Um, I think Matt, you can see Matt Campbell leave Iowa State because um, he's probably hit his peak there, if we're being honest. And uh, I know a lot of national media think he's going to go to Michigan if Harbaugh leaves. Um, I could, I still think Harbaugh is going to somehow find his way into the NFL next year. Um, that's just me personally. Um, there's going to be a lot of potential coaches on the move. Obviously, it's the first downward to fall. Um, it's going to be really exciting to see what happens next. Uh, any final thoughts? Go shots. Uh, let's give some respect to Coastal Carolina. And how about those heels? I'm pretty sure Javante Williams and Michael Carter are still running. Uh, and matter of fact, they can just stay down in Miami because the Orange Bowl hit us up. Well, Gary from RJ, our local UNC resident. And, uh, you know, we both like the Shannon Clears. We both have Carolina roots. So obviously I hope they can find the Reds in New Year's six. But um, until next time, I'm Jamil. That was RJ. And, oh, before we wrap it up, don't forget about our uh, our bowl pickums. Um, we'll put the link in the bio. Hopefully, RJ, hook that up. Uh, $10 buy-in, pick the bowl games. We got our first bowl lock, BYU versus UCF. That should be a good one. Um, yeah. Um, Wilson versus Gabriel, offense versus offense. Uh, that should be a good game. That is going to be a very high-scoring game. That that's That's a fun one right there. Yeah, I definitely agree. That should be a good one. But, yeah, hit us up. Get in on our bowl pick uh, We can't wait to see who you guys pick and see who wins that. But until next time, I'm Jamil. That was RJ. And this was your Week in College Football.